You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Hey everyone, it's Dave Asprey with Bulletproof Radio. Today's cool fact of the day is that sleeping in a bra can be terrible for your health. Uh, women who sleep in their bras have significantly lower melatonin levels because the bra increases pressure on the skin. The lower melatonin equals sleep problems, illness, and even monthly irregularities. Now, when I ran my biohack of trying to sleep in a bra for 90 days, never mind, I didn't, but... Uh, at least I hear this is a problem. There's studies about it, but fortunately, it's not a problem that I had to hack. It's just one you should know about if you're approximately oh, 51% of the audience. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's guest on the show is a friend of mine. It's Dr. Trevor Cates, who's known as the Spa Doctor. She's the first woman ever to be licensed as a naturopathic doctor in California. She was uh, appointed by Arnold Schwarzenegger to California's Bureau of Naturopathic Medicine Advisory Council a couple times. And she runs her own podcast called The Spa Doctor. So, Trevor, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dave. It's great to be here. There's a lot of stuff we can talk about. We met first at uh, JJ Virgin's events. Uh, she runs these um, 
these mindshare groups where health influencers get together and sort of swap secrets and all. And I had a great time talking with you because you're looking at things from a medical perspective, but you also actually work in or worked in spas. Why do you call yourself the spa doctor? Well, yeah, that's partly why, because I did work in some high-end spas and I got to be known as the spa doctor. Everybody just called me the spa doctor. And I'm not working in spas anymore so much, but I realized that there's a lot that I learned being a spa doctor about, you know, when people come into a spa, they're thinking about a few things. They're thinking about their their looks or their skin. They're also thinking about how they might be able to relax a little bit. And, and I realized with one thing with skin is skin is a great tool that we have, a great outer reflection of our inner health. And so I've got, there are a lot of people that are more focused on, you know, a little bit on their looks and not caring so much about what they eat and their lifestyle, but a lot of people care about their skin. So it was a great way for me to start talking to people about their health because when we take good care of our health on the inside, it shows up on our skin. So that's kind of how I got to be known as the spa doctor. I also realized a lot of the things that I was teaching people in the spa, they can do at home. They don't have to come into a spa to see me. It's, it's really about you know inner and outer health and how we take care of ourselves, how we live day-to-day life, what we eat, stress management, exercise, all those good things. So <clears throat> when you look at, at someone and you look at their skin, what can you tell about their the status of their health? Like what are the top five most obvious things you could tell from looking at someone? Well, you know, a lot of times people have dry skin or maybe they have oily skin or they have, you know, as we get older, some people have premature aging or some people even have skin problems like acne, rosacea, eczema, dermatitis, a lot of different skin problems. And so when we look at the skin, it's just, it's in front of our faces. Every time you talk to someone, you look, you see their skin, right? Even on your video podcasts, you see people's skin, right? And And so those kinds of things really show that there's an imbalance inside. And it could be having to do with nutrients. It could have to do with hormones. It could have to do with the actual foods that they're eating and and creating inflammation in the body. It could have to do with their digestion. So there are a lot of different things that can be going on. And I I definitely want to delve more deeply into each one of these things because they're so important. But the things to look for, you know, does your skin glow? I mean, it should be nothing less than glowing, healthy looking skin. And, And if it's not that, then that's probably something that you're doing inside, maybe outside too, that it, you know, shows that, you know, you need to make some changes. So let's say that I have dry skin. Like, what does that tell you? Because what I want to do is go through common skin things. And what does that mean medically? And what does that mean as a biohacker? Like, what should I change in my diet? What should I change in my other habits? Because what we're looking for is feedback. And if you have this huge organ, your skin, that is a source of feedback for you, most people are just like, oh, I got pimples. It's random. It's like, no, you did something to cause the pimples. Exactly. So I want people who listen to this just while they're driving in their their cars and their commute or doing whatever, chopping vegetables, (laughs) whatever it is, to know at the end of this, like, oh, I have X in my skin. And it probably means that I could do Y in order to get rid of it. So let's start with dry skin. What's causing that most likely, knowing it could be lots of things, but what does that tell you about someone's health status? Right. So dry skin, a few things I think about with dry skin. One is 
what are they eating? You know, are they getting the right kinds of oils in their diet that will help with skin? Because if, you know, just like you talk, I'm sure you talked about oils and good oils, good fats versus bad fats on your show. Just like we, you know, we want our our cells to have those good fats. So there's fluid, they're fluid and they function optimally. Our skin cells need those too. So if we're not getting the right kinds of fats, like you know, good omega-3 oils, then that can cause us to have dry skin. So um, micro and macronutrients can play a role. Um, also hormones, for example, Thyroid. If people have hypothyroidism, it can dry skin can be a sign of low thyroid function. So there are other symptoms that go along with hypothyroidism, like fatigue and constipation and hair loss, those kinds of things. But dry skin is one of those key symptoms. So those are a few of the things I think of. Another big one is is going back to digestion. Digestion is huge for really all of the skin conditions. Any kind of skin problem is if you're if your digestive tract isn't working well, if you're constipated or you have any digestive symptoms or you don't have the right balance of the good bacteria in your digestive tract, you know, that gut microbiome, then it can show up in your skin. And it and dry skin is definitely one of those symptoms, especially because you're probably, you may be getting all the right oils and fats in your diet, but if you're not digesting them and your body's not absorbing those, then it's not doing you any good. There's something else I've noticed, and and this is one of those things where you just realize anytime something happens to your body, there's a reason for it. Like it's not random, even though a lot of us just sort of believe that. I know that for me that I have uh, certain uh, what I call uh, kryptonite foods. So you have these layer of suspect foods on the bulletproof diet. These are things that cause problems for wide varieties of people, like common problem causers, but they may be okay even if they're not perfect for you. So one of the things that, that gets me is not all of the nightshade family, but uh, bell peppers. So I appreciate the taste of bell peppers, and every now and then I'm like, oh, I'll just eat some. But if I eat bell peppers, within two days, I get super dry skin, especially like my feet will crack and bleed from eating this. Why would eating a food that has lectins like that lead to like, dry skin everywhere? Well, it could possibly be due to the fact that you have a sensitivity. And that's one of the things that I see often. And and when whatever that trigger food is for people, whether it's peppers or dairy or gluten or eggs, soy, and there are a lot of, you know, those are some of the, the common ones. What can happen is that our body sees those as toxic. And so, you know, it, it leads to a lot of different problems in the body. You probably talked about leaky gut syndrome on your show. And I hate the name of that. I also call it hyperpermeability, you know, digestive hyperpermeability. But what happens is our digestive tract lining is somewhat permeable. But when it becomes more permeable than it should, food little, small little food particles can actually slip through. And then our body sees those as foreign particles and creates an immune response. This leads to inflammatory pathways. And those inflammatory pathways can create a lot of different symptoms in the body, including dry skin. So inflammation leads to dry skin. All right. Um, so look for things that cause inflammation, including foods, including uh, many other things like the thyroid problem as well. All right. Now, something else happens, though. Let's say you normally have normal skin and you wake up one day and you have dry skin overnight. What would that tell you versus someone who just chronically has dry skin? Well, 
that would probably be something more having to do with hydration. You know, maybe you didn't, if I live in Park City, Utah, really high altitude here. It's easy to get dry skin. People might be traveling here and they, they get here and immediately their skin dries out. So it could be hydration, whether it's exterior, more just on your skin because of the dry air, or it could be that you're not drinking enough water or eating foods that replenish your body and, and hydrate. I have a hack for hydration coming up and it's top secret and I can't tell you what it is yet, but it looks like this. If you're looking on video on iTunes, this is like a secret vial of my new hydration solution. I'll tell you guys about it as soon as it comes out. It's awesome. Uh, so uh, I agree with you there. Hydration is amazing. And I don't know anyone who doesn't get dry skin the first day they go up up to, uh, say, Park City. Yeah. Now, what do you do about this? Uh, do you just like go get some Vaseline intensive care and just slather it on and just be happy about that? Do you rub you know, brain octane oil all over yourself, uh, dive into a pool of it? <laughs> What's the topical short term thing to do when people have dry skin? Well, you know, topically, of course, you know, interior, we want to drink water. We want to eat hydrating foods. Of course, we want to do things from the inside. I always talk about glowing skin, healthy skin should initially come from within. But we also want to pay attention to the products we put on our skin. And you mentioned uh, Vaseline, which is a petroleum product and definitely stay away from that. It's basically like putting gasoline on your skin or petroleum. And so we, we don't want to do that. And, and in fact, a lot of the skincare products that people use are quite toxic. And, and in fact, you know, the FDA does not regulate our skincare products very well. It's um, very underregulated. In fact, I think in overall, the FDA has only banned about 11 ingredients, whereas in Europe, they all, they banned hundreds of chemicals and ingredients in skincare products. But in the United States, we only have banned 11. So it, it's really underregulated under and people, cosmetic companies, um, skincare companies, personal care products, they can pretty much say and do whatever they want, put whatever ingredients in there and not really be concerned about the health implications of those, unfortunately. Um, and the problem is, is that when you put something on your skin, it doesn't just stay on your skin. You actually absorb it into your skin, into in through your skin, into your bloodstream. So you think about something like hormone creams or patches or nicotine patches, we put those on the skin because it absorbs to the skin. So whatever you're using, certainly don't use Vaseline, you know, something like your, your oil, that's something that you would eat. So for sure, you could put that on your skin. But um, there's a lot of great oils, coconut oil, MCT oil, those are those are great for the skin as well as avocado oils, um, uh, almond oil, even olive oil. So if you think about the things that you would eat, the oils that you would eat, those are a great place, great place to start with, with things that nourish the skin on the outside. And there's sort of a, a bulletproof rules. If you wouldn't put it in your mouth, don't put it on your skin. And I, I tend to do that everything in the house, even what I put on my kids. And in fact, the soap I have right now is made from bison fat. So it's actually grass-fed, uh, rendered bison fat in a licorice-flavored soap. That's awesome. And uh, it, it sounds a little bit ridiculous. It could have just been made with coconut oil. It would have been just as good. But the point there is these are food-based things. 
However, the inventor of Vaseline, because I know all these cool facts of the day, he ate a tablespoon of Vaseline every day to keep his digestive system lubricated. I kid you not. And he lived till he was old. So who knows? Maybe it's good for you. I don't think I'm going to try it. But anyway, uh, side note. Can't imagine it tastes good either. (laughs) Yeah, it's a salad dressing. It's not, no. (laughs) I don't know how he did it. But uh, I, I was sort of amazed at the crazy things that have happened in the history of health. And actually, the crazy things that are still happening when you look at using uh, like synthetic fragrances on your skin. What happens like like when a typical petroleum-based perfume is added to something you put on your skin? What does that do to the body? Well, yeah, the thing with fragrances, and and that's uh, one of those ingredient label, and on a label you might see fragrances, and these synthetic synthetic fragrances when it's labeled that way, it's really an allowance for all kinds of ingredients to go into that, and these are. So a lot of these are very harmful chemicals that a lot of them have hormone disrupting effects. They're known as EDCs, endocrine disrupting chemicals. Um, Some are even carcinogenic. And and also, for example, if you think of um, one of the ingredients that oftentimes is in fragrances is phthalates. And phthalates are plasticizers. It's It's the ingredient in plastic that makes it kind of um, it bends and stuff. And, and we know those are known hormone disruptors. So we know that they can lead to problems like infertility, thyroid problems, um, early, early menopause, um, early onset of puberty, all kinds of hormone disrupting effects, and even certain types of cancers. So it's, you know, it's crazy what, what can be put in these products and something like fragrance. We just, you know, a lot of people will just think, oh, it's just fragrance. How, how bad can it be? But even if you're smelling it, it it can go into your, in through your, your nose, into your bloodstream. So we want to be really careful with, with things like fragrance. Uh, I remember once years ago, uh, the lady in the cubicle next to me, I, I really don't like cubicles, <laughs> but she sprayed some sort of horrible orange scented thing on and everyone in like five cubicles in a, in a circle started like coughing. And I actually started to like itch, like physically, I was like getting itching on my skin from whatever I breathe and that stuff. And I'm like, good God, what is that? She's like, oh, it's air freshener. And I'm like, could you not use that again? And uh, it was one of those things where, where people are like, oh, it smells good, therefore it must be nice. And it's, it's not like that. Like, it affects other people. Right. And, and you know, we don't have to um, be smelly and stinky. And, you know, it used to be that we didn't have a whole lot of options with skincare products. But there are companies now that are making more natural, organic products that are a lot cleaner, that don't have these ingredients. And, and even things like essential oils. So it could, you know, if she had used a citrus essential oil instead and in a diffuser or something you you know nobody probably would have complained in fact everybody probably would have been in a better mood <laughs> yeah it's it's such a difference and it costs a lot more i mean I, I look at formulating things and to use essential oils versus something from you know a, a perfume factory it's it's radically different cost structure but it makes people healthy versus makes people unhealthy so it's a matter of making something that actually is functionally complete versus just smells good well, you know, and Dave, I know you're not really into beauty and perfumes a lot, but some of the perfumes or really the synthetic ones are very expensive. So, you know, cost-wise, people are spending a lot of money. In fact, it's been estimated that I think I'm looking up the number here. Um, it's been estimated that 
that global spending on anti-aging products is supposed to read, reach $291.9 billion by, 2000, by 2015, by the end of this year. So there's a lot of money being spent on this because people care about their, you know, their appearances, about not wanting to look any older than they already are. So there's, there's, people are already spending money on it. So just changing it to more natural products is, is a great way to go. It's definitely better for your health. Here's the difference. If you're going to spend a hundred bucks on a bottle of petroleum derivative versus a hundred bucks on a bottle of essential oil, the guys who made the petroleum derivative probably spent like 20 cents on it. <laughs> and the guys with the essential oils probably spent like five bucks on it. And you're paying $100 either way. But for a big company doing this, this petroleum-based thing, like, well, we got an extra four and a half bucks out of this or however much. So they're squeezing the margins down. And so as a, as a manufacturer, you end up spending more money uh, to buy the essential oils. But people oftentimes don't pay extra for that versus these you know, expensive branded ones. The largest cost for perfume is actually the bottle, not what's in the bottle. Like those big fancy bottles are way more expensive than the tiny bit of chemical in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think on average, we're, we use about nine different per personal care products each day. And a lot of people use more than that or like 15, 15 different products. So if we go with the average of nine products that exposes to 126 unique ingredients that we're being exposed to. And again, FDA is not regulating these very well. And so the, the, the possible exposure is, is pretty tremendous. Well, I think I've, I'm just counting today. I've used three. <laughs> uh, and that's probably all I'm going to use today. Well, you're not the average person. Uh, yeah, I, I totally recognize that. And uh, it's because I have natural beauty and that's what it is. Um. <laughs> well, and it's true. If we, if we take care of ourselves on the inside, we have a natural glow. We don't need to wear as much makeup. We don't need to wear as much of these grooming products. You know, don't need to use as many of these grooming products because... Hey, you know, our, our skin is already um, glowing and healthy. We don't have anything to cover up. Um, our hair is shiny and and thick and doing what it's supposed to do. So it's funny because when I when I was in naturopathic medical school back in, I, was, I graduated in 2000, so the four years during that time, there weren't a lot of options for natural skincare products. So, you know, we just had to go au naturel, but... Luckily, we don't have to do that anymore. We can still, you know, <laughs> you know, do a little vanity, a little bit of beauty stuff here and there and not expose ourselves to these endocrine disrupting chemicals and carcinogenic ingredients. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it, it's really worth just paying attention to what's on the bottle. What's the most common carcinogenic ingredient that people um, are putting on their skin that they don't know about? Well, some of the, the common ones are parabens um, are, you know, and, and there has been some controversy on that because the study done on that one was, you know, it was, it, it may not, it may not apply to everyone. So parabens is, has been found in breast cancer, breast tumor tissue. So they found parabens. So there needs to be more research on that one, but certainly if it's showing up in breast tumors, uh, probably not a good sign. Um, another one is oxybenzone, and that is in almost every skin sunscreen out there. Most sunscreen contain oxybenzone. That's the component that blocks um, the sun and supposedly protects our skin. 
But unfortunately, and it has, it's now it's a known endocrine disrupting chemical. And so here we are trying to protect ourselves from the sun because we know if we're exposed to too much sun, we get sun damage, and then that can lead to skin cancer. So we put on sunscreen to protect our skin, but yet we're, the main ingredient, oxybenzone, can be actually creating hormone disrupting effects and may even could potentially lead to cancer. I have this amazing kind of sunscreen. It's called a hat, and it's like, so chemical free and everything, but uh, maybe I'm old fashioned. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't work so well in the snow. It's it's true. We we can cover up with hats and um, you know being careful about when we go out in the sun and those sorts of things. And some sun exposure, of course, is great because we need our vitamin D. There are sunblocks out there with zinc oxide that are a much better alternative to the oxybenzone. All right, this is a great chance to ask you a question. I've been meaning to write about this forever. All right, we have zinc oxide. We have titanium dioxide, which are common things for blocking sun in the skin. But we also have these nanoparticles that you can make of zinc, the ones that disappear into the skin. What's your take on the best chemical to use for sunblock and about any potential risks of either zinc or titanium in any of those forms? Right. I usually recommend that people don't use the nano-sized particles, that they use just regular zinc oxide. Um, and the technology has improved. It used to be that when we use zinc oxide, you'd have these, you know, you, you see these, you know, lifeguards with a stripe on their cheeks and their nose. And that was the only way you could get zinc oxide. Now the technology is much better, so we can actually get zinc oxide sunblocks, and they'll actually go, you know, we can put them on our kids, put them on ourselves, and they're they're not going to be all white and pasty. Um, but like you said, the nanoparticles are common, and a lot of topical, as well, um, you know, sunblocks, sunscreens, as well as some of the mineral makeups that are out there. And there are some concerns about the nano-sized particles, as, and in addition to the titanium dioxide, we need more research in this area. Yeah, but one of the, my biggest concerns is with the, the mineral makeups that contain these nano-sized particles, um, especially the powders. And people are, you know, powdering their ladies are powdering their face, and then they're breathing that in. And these nano-sized particles can get lodged in the lungs. That's, you know, the lungs don't do a great job of filtering out the really teeny little particles. So there's a concern about what's going to happen to those little nano-sized particles when they get lodged in the lungs and the lungs can't remove them. So those are some of the things to think about. Again, we need more research in this area, but I, in general, I tell people to stay away from the nano-sized particles, stay away from titanium dioxide, especially when it's in powder form or think anything that you'll breathe in. Uh, that seems like good advice. Uh, my take on this is that there are studies showing that uh, we know the size of the gaps in the cell membrane and the nanoparticles are smaller than that. So rubbing stuff on your skin that allows titanium or zinc or any other metal in such a small particle that doesn't occur in nature, at least not very often, to into your cells and interact with the guts of your cells, it just seems like a pretty poor choice versus like wearing a long sleeve shirt if you're going to be in yeah. the sun. Uh, yeah, and it's just, you know, just like I'm talking about with the lungs, it's, you know, similar to what you're talking about. What does it do in the body? What does the body do with it? Now, shifting gears entirely, let's say I have uh, super oily skin. What does that tell you about my health? Well, you know, 
some of it's genetics. Some of it is, you know, some of us are just, you know, genetically have dry skin or oily skin. And the good thing about oily skin is that oily skin tends to not wrinkle as we age as much. The bad thing is that people with oily skin tend to get more acne. So, you know, it's the the thing that might be causing it might be hygiene issues. It might be genetics. I'm not as concerned about oily skin as I am with dry skin. When it comes to looking at nutritional deficiencies or hormone imbalances, it could be that person who might have a little bit extra testosterone because testosterone increases sebum production. But as long as people are metabolizing their testosterone well and they're not overdoing it with a, you know too much testosterone um, therapy or something like that, then I think that's okay. Um, what, one of the things to think about with, because when people have oily skin, a lot of times they put a lot of cleansers and putting things on their skin to remove that oil. And our, you know, we've talked about the gut microbiome. I'm sure other people on your show have talked about the gut microbiome and how our gut has this delicate balance of healthy bacteria that we want to to maintain and enhance to help our health overall or help our digestion. It also shows up in our skin, our overall skin health. So certainly that's important, but our skin also has its own microbiome. We have our own little delicate balance of bacteria and microorganisms that grow on the skin that are quite different from the gut microbiome, but also very important. So with people with oily skin, like I said, they're usually putting on, you're trying to cleanse and do a lot of things to take off the oils, but when they do that, a lot of times they're disrupting that delicate balance that the um, microbiome of the skin and actually making the problem worse because when you kill off the good bacteria, then the bad bacteria tend to overgrow and then you get more acne. So here are people, you know, oily skin, they're putting all these products on there to, to keep acne breakouts from happening, to keep their oil production down, and they can actually be making it worse and having more breakouts and um, also disrupting the pH of the skin. That makes uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I've never been a super oily skin kind of person, but I know people complain about it. And um, the idea that it's somewhat diet-based, but somewhat genetic-based is, is interesting. So you think dry skin is maybe more controllable than oily skin? Well, I think that, you know, with oily skin, just like with dry skin, you want to look at what you're eating and certainly eating a healthy diet and getting the right kinds of oils, not eating a lot of processed foods and and hydrogenated oils and things like that, of course, are going to be really important and, and help decrease, you know, sebum production, that oil production and and manage that as well as keeping your hormones balanced is also important. So I, I think that it's definitely easy enough to do as well. Um, that makes that makes good sense. Now, as a guy, I've been trained since I was a kid that basically you don't really need to do anything but maybe wash your face sometimes. And really, if you don't have acne, like why even bother with that? Like that's kind of like the general guy perspective. What are the medical or performance or other reasons that men might want to take care of their skin? Like other reasons other than, oh, I just want to look good for the ladies. <laughs> well, like I said that, you know, we've got a few different things with, with skin. We've got what you're putting on, look at those ingredients. Because if you're putting, and men oftentimes think, oh, I don't use personal care products. I don't, you know, I don't put on makeup, so I don't have to worry about these things. Well, you think about it, you use deodorant, I hope. 
um, some sort some sort of form of deodorant. You use soaps to wash your body, to wash your hands. You use shampoo, maybe conditioner. Maybe put gel in your hair. Certainly, most men are going to be shaving, so shaving gels and lotions and aftershave. So, and cologne. These are common products that men use on a regular basis. So, again, a lot of the same things we need to be paying attention to. What are in the? What are the ingredients that are in there? Do they? They probably do have synthetic fragrances. They. Um, you're also probably putting on sunscreen. So, looking at all those things, of course, are important and and really you know when it comes to skin it's it's a personal thing if how much you put into that how many different personal care products you want to use but a lot of it comes from just doing a lot of the things I already talked about good digestion balanced hormones good nutritional state avoiding the foods that you're sensitive to and if you do those things on the inside and have that good internal health and practices then you're, it's going to show on your skin. So then you don't really need to do much with the skin. But um, just like women, though, one of the concerns you want to be aware of is your sun exposure and how much. We, we realize that we, we only, most people only need about 10 minutes, three times a week of sun exposure to get the vitamin D levels that most of us need. Now, that does change somewhat with skin pigmentation, where people live, and the seasons, and all that kind of thing. But that's, on average, that's what we think about. So we don't need a ton of sun exposure for vitamin D. But so covering up the skin, when you do go out, and you go you know, skiing in the winter, or you go surfing, or you go out on the beach, you want to protect your skin. So that's something that men will want to do. It's, it's, it's important. So we talked about the zinc oxide. And then, of course, with shaving, one of the one of the one great thing to do with shaving is to actually put and Dave, you may do this already is to put coconut oil or MCT oil on your face before you put any of the shaving soaps or gels or anything. When you shave, put a layer of the coconut oil on your face and then shave because it keeps that'll help keep your skin moisturized and keep you from, you know, nicking and getting all the, you know, problems with shaving. Hey, I don't shave my face. So I don't know all the different problems, but you, you know what I'm talking it's, about. It's, it's kind of like <laughs> shaving your legs, I think. I don't know. Kind of. <laughs> a little different. <laughs> um, so if you care about, like, how you look or how you're going to look when you're old, if you're a guy, take care of your skin can make a difference. But what you're saying is that paying attention to the stuff you use could affect your overall health and even, like, how you feel, right? Yeah. So that, Absolutely. that's something that I think a lot of people don't pay attention to. And there's only really two things that I use um, on my face regularly. Uh, one is the Alatura like, clay mask, which just like has a noticeable difference. Uh, and I use um, MitoQ, which is something that we carry on the website. It's, it's got a, a new kind of antioxidant in it. And it's just like such a noticeable difference. I'm like, wow, like I can go to the trouble of you know, a couple times a week doing this clay thing before I get in the shower but, and smearing some lotion stuff on my face in the morning. Uh, and the difference has been noticeable for me. Uh, but I don't know that either of those is increasing my overall health or human performance, but they probably make me look better. They may have some like risk reduction things over time in terms of like skin cancer, which does run in half my family and, and things like that. So I'm like, oh, it's probably a good move. But if you're a guy, other than for cosmetic reasons, I, I think what you're saying is be careful about smearing toxins on that affect everything else. But if you don't really care if you get wrinkles when you're old, is, is there any more upside to taking care of your skin? Well, you know, like you said, skin cancer. I mean, I guess that's really the biggest thing is that 
when we um, when we expose ourselves, and, and even if people are have pigmentation and they don't burn, anytime you tan, anytime your pigmentation changes, you've got sun damage. So it pre- it predisposes you to skin cancers. And and if these if people aren't going in for regular checkups, to going in for a dermatologist once a year actually is really a good idea. Just get an overall skin check and. And make sure that that none of your little bumps or moles or freckles or anything like that are looking weird and something that needs to be biopsied. It's really important. I mean, I know this um, is part of why I got interested in skin was my my father got squamous cell skin cancer. He spends a lot of time in the in the sun farming and over the years, and so he got squamous cell cancer. And and this type of cancer is usually pretty benign if it's removed. And he went into a dermatologist, had it removed, but unfortunately the dermatologist didn't get it all. And so it metastasized to lymph nodes, um, other parts of his body. And and then once squamous cell cancer, type of cancer that once it metastasizes, it's usually not a good prognosis. But fortunately, uh, you know, he's got me as his daughter and other friends that are doctors and naturopathic doctors and things in his life. So we put him on a whole naturopathic program and and he's fine. It's been over 10 years now and he has no cancer. But we learned a lot along the way about looking at your skin, paying attention to your skin, protecting it, and then making sure that you've got a good dermatologist. I mean, it's, it's just important. It's just one of those things. It's just... Put it into your regular routine. Put it on your calendar, dermatology checkup. All right. So let's say that um, you're, well, let's just use me as a guinea pig. So I'm 42. And I can tell you, I don't like, I'm pretty good about having my regular dental checkup, (laughs) but it's it's hard because I keep flying somewhere in the middle of my dentist appointments. So I've moved my last appointment five times, but at least I, you know, like I'm going to get there, I swear. So that said, I don't really have a regular dermatology checkup unless there's like something raised and red and bumpy and like looking really atrocious or something like I'm not going to go. So how often for preventative maintenance should a 40 year old, either a man or a woman, the answer may be different, um, go into a dermatologist to have like, I don't know what they do at a normal dermatology checkup, like, like look at you with a camera. Like I'm seriously completely ignorant about what you do other than going to have them cut things off your face. No, it's really, it's recommended once a year because within within a year, the changes can happen pretty quickly. So it's good. It's much better to catch it early on before, you know, anything metastasizes. So it's, uh, you know, maybe you could go every two years, but but Dave, you know, you need to start to find a good dermatologist in your area and, and start going for regular checkups. It's, it's just a simple thing. They just do a quick look over and make sure, you know, and you can point out any little moles and things that, that maybe you're concerned about, but also just keep in check, you know, keep in check of your own body too. It's, um, it's like, you know, I talked to women about doing self breast exams or whatever it is, you know, you, you do the same thing with skin. We just, you just be in touch with your body and notice your skin, notice little bumps. And if there are changes with them, that's a good, important thing too. And, and if you notice a change and, and we and we talk more about this and my hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about my glowing skin summit. We've got a dermatologist that talks about all the warning signs that you look for. And and so if you have any of those, of course you want to go in and see a dermatologist right away. So all right. So, so that's what you're gonna one. do. <laughs> you're gonna go you're gonna go in um, and you're going to uh, take off all your clothes and they're gonna like look at all of your skin and like you can be like, Oh look, I have a mole over here. But if you were looking at your moles anyway and then they didn't change, is there really a point to going? <laughs> 
Well, the problem is, is that most people don't really notice. So I would say, you know, general good practices is, um, you know, a lot of people are not as proactive as you, Dave. Okay, so it's like changing your oil, like maybe every 3,000 miles, but you might go 5,000 miles and your car will probably still run, something like that. Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I just summarized uh, dermatology to the offense of every dermatologist listening, and there's probably a lot. So um, this is actually so it's a it's a best practice that I haven't incorporated into my regimen. We'll put it that way. Yes. All right. So you've answered a lot of questions already, but you have a bunch more questions. And I know actually healthy skin is is a big topic uh, for women in particular, but especially for guys. I, I've been seeing more more posts on the Bulletproof forums and I just get like random tweets and things uh, from guys who are looking at it because they've realized this amazing thing that when you have healthy skin, it projects that you're healthy. And there's this shocking thing, but women are genetically lined up just like guys to want to mate with healthy people of whatever the appropriate gender is. So what that means is that if you take care of your skin, it actually just makes you more generally attractive. And it's probably easier to take care of your skin than it is to grow a a six pack. Like it takes less work to do that. So it'd be kind of funny if the guy with like, you know, super acne from whatever he's injecting in a big six pack is next to you and you have really good skin and you don't have a six pack, you might be the one who, you know, gets the number. And that's kind of cool. Right. So you've put together a bunch of stuff on the Glowing Skin Summit uh, where you've interviewed a whole bunch of experts about the kind of questions that I'm asking you. And I'm one of those uh, one of those guys. Uh, But uh, I'm certainly not from the dermatology persuasion. I'm from the what do you eat to make your skin look good persuasion. So uh, tell me a little bit more about the summit where people can find out more about it. Yeah, absolutely. So Glowing Skin Summit is online and free April 27th through May 4th. And I've got 35 of the world's leading experts in nutrition, hormones, wellness, and skin. So it's a lot of healthy skin from within. So what we can do with balancing our hormones, the micro and macronutrients we need, the foods we eat, addressing things like allergies, and then also what we do topically for our skin. I have a great integrative dermatologist. I've got fantastic nutritionists. And also have all day designated to stress and sleep and the the psychological aspect of our skin and that mind mind skin connection. So you know, seven days, five speakers a day. Each day we've got great topics, including yours, Dave, talking about nutrients and foods and and those important things like oils and good fats. So it's it's really a great amount of information, and I'm so excited to to bring this to everybody. Uh, cool. I, I recommend if if this podcast was interesting to you that you check it out. And uh, I've uh, I've known Trevor for for quite a while, and she's an expert, and she also knows how to find a lot of experts. So there's tons of info here. If you have specific skin problems, this is a great place to start. From my own perspective, I used to have. Uh, a lot of skin problems. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I used to get this like, actually, even as a, a young adult, I was about 30, I would get this like subterranean acne and I never could figure out what was causing it. And it would be like really, really deep pimples. And they'd be so deep that that like first the skin would turn red and then you get like a, a sort of a swelling. And finally, like after another five days, this giant pimple would come out. What was causing that? 
And what, what age were you with this? Um, this started when I was, oh, I don't know, 17 and continued until I was, oh, about 30. Yeah. So, you know, 17, lots of hormone changes, testosterone surges can, testosterone surges in, can increase sebum production, which can lead to acne if our skin doesn't have what it needs. And you probably didn't know as much about what to eat then as you do now, right, Dave? I'm guessing. I- I definitely didn't. Yeah. I, although this wasn't normal acne. Like there's acne that's like pimples. Mm-hmm. This, these are like like volcanoes, not yeah. pimples. So you were probably eating something that you're sensitive to that was creating that inflammation that we talked about. That you know inflammatory path pathways and immune reactions, and then you know your body was it was just showing up in your skin. And another big thing that happens is glycation issues. So when we're when we eat a lot of sugar. It, you know, it affects our insulin levels that can then in turn affect sebum production. So sugar plays a big role in acne. And, and one of the most common foods that people eat that trigger acne, the, I would say the, the number, so the two main foods would be sugar and dairy. So dairy is the most common food sensitivity and then sugar is like, it could be a sensitivity, but it's also got its glycation issues that not only lead to acne, but also premature aging. So luckily now you know that sugar is is something that you got to be careful with. Um, so I'm sure that that's one of the big things that changed with, with your diet, right? It, it did. The, the most glycating sugar, though, is fructose, like that comes from fruit. So does fruit contribute to acne if you're eating a ton of fruit? Well, you know, you got you to gotta be careful with any kind of fruit and I mean with any kind of sugar. And certainly if you overdo it with fruit, then that can create problems. And, and if fructose is in maybe a, like a protein shake you're using or foods that you're eating, you got to be careful with that. But really any form of sugar, if you get too much of it, and especially if you um, genetically don't do well with sugar or you already have a predisposition to something like deep diabetes or for women, polycystic ovaries, then it's, you know, you have already have a problem with, with sugar and glycation and then getting too much sugar on top of that can make it worse. But yeah, sugar is, is one of the biggest problems for, for skin. So I, I agree. Sugar is just destructive for that. I did finally figure out what the trigger, and there's more than one trigger, but the most common trigger for those deep pimples in me was. And it actually wasn't anything I ate. It's what I breathed. When I go into a water-damaged building, one that has bioaerosols that are made by a combination of bacteria and fungus that grows on drywall, <laughs> and these are more aggressive species that didn't exist 50 years ago. They've, be, they've been made more aggressive by our chemical use. Basically, we've tortured our soil, and it's torturing us back. And uh, when I breathe these things, uh, then the first day I get a little bit of like brain fog and brain fatigue, and actually some visible swelling in my forehead, like brain swelling. But the day after that, I start getting those deep pimples. And then they take about five to eight days to subside. And it's repeatable. Like it's basically deep inflammation that's triggered by an environmental input. And and this is why like biohacking is so interesting. Like change the environment around you and change what happens inside of you and how you perform. And it's so weird that breathing something three days later equals giant pimples. Yeah. And, you know, environmental toxicity is a huge part of this. We've talked some about the toxins in skincare products, but there's so many toxins in our environment. Mycotoxins, mold toxins are one of those. And 
Some people are extremely sensitive to those and they are toxic overall, but some people like yourself are particularly sensitive to that. And, and then if you get a combination of things of it, like exposure to that, plus the things that you're eating in your diet, you already got inflammation from the mycotoxins and then you add sugar or dairy or some you know reactive foods on top of that, it's just going to make it worse. It's, uh, it's such a, a big issue that uh, people who are listening or regular listeners probably know I'm nearly done with a documentary about water damage buildings and environmental molds and how we've changed them and how they're now attacking us. Uh, that's called Moldy. If you want to learn more, bulletproofexec.com slash Moldy. June is when I'm planning to release that movie online for free. But it's it's a, it's been like a two year in the making, talking to all those scientists about it and then understanding what's going on. Because I find that when I'm dealing with a, a client or just someone who comes up to me at a, at a conference or sometimes at, at an airport, <laughs> and um, they're like, oh, I, I gained some weight. And they have these dark circles under their eyes and they're like looking like a zombie. And you're like, okay, your skin looks like crap. And like, oh, you probably eat a lot of cheese, don't you? And if they say, no, no, I, I'm on a reasonably good diet. Like, okay, let's, let's take that out. And then if they're eating a conscious diet, like, okay, what else is going on here? And you basically have food allergies if you have those dark circles, or you have candida or yeast growing in your gut, which is a sign you're eating the wrong stuff and all that's reflected in the skin on your face, or you're exposed to some other toxin that's creating like deep inflammation and probably autoimmunity. And like to be able to look at someone's skin and be able to do that is ridiculously cool. And to be able to say, oh, so you gained a bunch of weight and your skin started looking like that the same time you moved into your new apartment, like maybe you should like smell. Does it smell like a sweat sock? <laughs> or maybe you might want to test your air and to go through it's that. It's so individualized. Skin is, there's so many different factors that can play a role and everybody's different. They've got different genetic factors, different lifestyle factors. So one of the reasons why I created a skin quiz, and it's on my website, drtrevorcates.com. And and so you could take its free uh, free skin quiz, and it really has to do more of what what you're doing internally, what kind of internal imbalances might be going on that throw off your skin. So environmental toxicity issues are one of those. Diet, nutrition, hormones. So those are some of the big ones that. So when people take the quiz, then they get a response of these are your major underlying contributing factors that are playing a role in your health based upon the answers that you that you gave us. Um, and then I make recommendations based on that because it really, you have to, I have to, just like a, when I see patients, um, everybody that comes in to see me with acne, I'm not going to do the same thing. Everybody that comes in to see me with eczema, I'm not going to be the same thing. People that even to come in for weight loss, I'm not going to give them all the same thing and do the same thing. It's very individualized. It depends upon a lot of different factors. All right. Here's a question for you that um, no one has been able to answer. And this is kind of like my second to last question for you. I was obese. I weighed 300 pounds and I started getting massive stretch marks when I was 16. And I, I've done extensive research, uh, even like compiled like 100 plus pages of, of research about stretch marks, like why they happen um, so that we could avoid my wife getting them. And she didn't get any. Um, during pregnancy, but that's because I'm like maybe a little sensitive about them. So I have like zebra stripes. They're they're white, like they're old stretch marks. They're basically scars. And I have a few in here, which a lot of bodybuilders get uh, from having you know excess cortisol and excess estrogen. And we've documented that I used to turn all of my testosterone into estrogen. So now I have zebra stripes, and I have a decent six pack these days, but I don't really like showing it off because I have zebra stripes on it. What can I do to get rid of old stretch marks? 
Yeah, stretch marks are a tough one. There's, I've looked at the research on topical applications for stretch marks, and there's not a lot of great research. What what we do know is is if you can be proactive during when your body is growing, like for women or have a growing belly during pregnancy or, or men or women that are doing a lot of uh, weightlifting and, and things like that, if you could be proactive during that time and apply things like coconut oil and almond oil and those kinds of oils on your skin, shea butter is another great one, then you can kind of prevent them. But after the fact, it's kind of hard to get rid of those. So I, I can't say that I have a lot of great tools for you on that. It, part of it's genetic too. And um, one of the things that I would suggest is collagen. But I, I know that you're already doing collagen. Uh, yeah, I take like probably 40 grams of collagen a day because it's bulletproof upgraded collagen, right? Yeah. And I've tried topical collagen, but most of those preparations aren't that effective. Um, there's like an end on them that makes your immune system not, not access that molecule. But so I was hoping that you'd say something amazing, like there's a, a new laser, you know, re, repaving thing where they come in with a little machine that beeps and just gives you new skin on your stomach. But so could you try up and invent one of those, <laughs> Dr. Trevor? You know, I'd like that. There probably are some great laser procedures for that. I'm just, that's not something that I do a lot of. Cool. Um, but I know that my, some of my speakers on the Glowing Skin Summit, and I forgot to mention the website on that, it's glowingskinsummit.com. Super easy, glowingskinsummit.com. We have um, a day dedicated to aesthetic procedures too. So I've got two Medispa owners that talk about current day cutting edge procedures that people can do, as well as stem cells. Uh, somebody was, I have one speaker, Dr. Harry Allison, talks about stem cell therapy, how you get stem cells from your own body and use those for skin, skin procedures. So I'm sure that one of these people would, would have some great options for you. <laughs> All right, I'll be I'll be checking out the Glowing Skin Summit for sure because uh, I'm I'm interested in uh, having adequately healthy skin, <laughs> massively good internal health, <laughs> and not spending too much time doing it. <laughs> so awesome! The final question I have for you is: given all the stuff you know, not just about uh, skin and and general health as a, a naturopath. But your entire life's experience, your top three recommendations for people who want to perform better at whatever they do. So if you want to kick more ass at life, do A, B, and C. What are they? Okay. Well, there's so many, but I would say, you know, I have to talk about nutrition. So I think that starting your day in particular, how you start your day is so important because if you start your day with breakfast, eating the typical breakfast foods, pastries and pancakes and all that kind of stuff, you're end up you're going to end up having a crappy day. You eat crappy foods, you're going to have a crappy day. So starting your day with with a good balance of proteins and actually vegetables too. Go ahead and, you know, eating lots of vegetables is super important for your skin, you know. So getting lots of antioxidants and colorful fruits and vegetables Great, great for the skin, but also great for helping you kick ass and do well. So nutrition, especially beginning of the day, get get a great start. Whether it's a smoothie with a great um, with a great protein blend and some vegetables and maybe some fruit, great start to the day. So that would be number one. Number two is I think everybody should have a really great functional medicine or naturopathic doctor. And I know I'm biased at this, but I tell you what, I see people all the time that say to me, God, I wish I had found you years ago. And it's true because functional medicine, naturopathic medicine, doctors can really help you find out what the underlying causes are 
that are holding you back from having kick-ass health and life and getting the most out. What, you know, and looking at things like, and some things are easy to find on your own, but what, you know, functional medicine, naturopathic doctors are trained to really find those hormone imbalances, nutritional deficiencies, and environmental toxin exposure. So these are big things that are hard to find on your own, but if you have a good practitioner, they can help find those things and then create a, create a great wellness program to get you through that. The last thing is um, is to do something fun. To, we gotta enjoy life. What, what the heck are we here for? And if we're not enjoying it, then we're not gonna be able to get all the things done that we wanna do. So finding something each day that you that brings you joy. So this is actually a tricky way to do stress management <laughs> because when you do things that you love, it helps reduce your cortisol levels, it boosts endorphins, and helps balance other hormones. So it's it's a great thing. And and you know we can't be surfing at the beach in Hawaii every day or you know skiing in the, in the Alps or something every day. But we can do something. Whether it you know we get a chance to do something we absolutely love and take a vacation or maybe it's just something simple like you know I don't know putting on some fun music and dancing around just take a few minutes to do something that you like uh, to your your second point there uh, one of the reasons I know what I know is that for 10 years I've run the Silicon Valley Health Institute in one way or another as a board member or as president or chairman uh, which is an anti-aging group like, like we bring all these experts in and I started doing that at some time in my late 20s 10 plus years, I don't know, maybe around 30. And the reasons I was so pissed off that no one told me all this stuff when I was 20, when I could have prevented all these stretch marks and all these other problems that I went through. So like the knowledge is there and it's not knowledge for old people. It's knowledge for people who kick ass. It's just the only people who seem to care about it are sick people and old people. And what I found was that actually it's kind of important knowledge for all of us. And that's why I started Bulletproof. So... Um, thanks. Thanks for saying that, though. Yeah, getting a good naturopath or, or functional medicine practitioner in your camp, no matter your age, <laughs> it's such an amazing head start to just have that knowledge base, someone to work with you and be like, oh, so that that's not looking quite right. And whether it's your skin or some other thing uh, in your blood work or whatever else, just fixing it before it breaks is trivial. And fixing it after it breaks costs like three hundred thousand dollars in fifteen years. At least, well, that's what I spent. Yes. So. Uh, that's that's really great advice, and I appreciate that you shared that. And I don't think it was at all self-serving, even though you are a naturopath. <laughs> well, and it doesn't have to be your only practitioner, too. You know, you can have a whole team of, of practitioners that are helping you, doctors that are helping you. But including someone with functional medicine, naturopathic training, I think is just super smart to do. The earlier you can do it, the, the better. I do, and I, I see quite a quite a few people, and uh, very few of them. It's like, oh, I'm sick. <laughs> in, in fact, that almost never happens. It's more about like I'm trying to tweak this variable, and you have this expertise, and you have this expertise, and I want it to be better. And you're going to get that from a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor. So that's cool. All right, Doctor Trevor, what's the URL for the Glowing Skin Summit so people can find that, and where can people find out more about you? Absolutely. So it's the GlowingSkinSummit.com. It's GlowingSkinSummit.com. Um, and my website is drtrevorcates.com, D-R-T-R-E-V-O-R, 
C-A-T-E-S.com. And yes, I have a guy's name, but um, that's one way you'll help, help you remember me, drtrevorcates.com. And everything is on my website too. If you forget the Glowing Skin Summit, I can't remember the name of that Skin Summit. It's all on my website. You can find out about that. Take the skin quiz. Um, I've also got some other great programs and products as well as I still see patients. And you are based in Park City, Utah. I am based in Park City. Do I do a lot of phone consults, um, see people from around the world. Oh, okay. You do it over Skype. Beautiful. Awesome. So you are on my, my list of, of people I would definitely recommend talking to. So um, thank you for coming on the show. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next time we get to hang out at one of JJ's events. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dave. And thanks for everything that you're doing to help everybody get educated on this important information. Uh, likewise. Have an awesome day. You too. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to go out and buy a copy of the Bulletproof Diet Book. And if you already have a copy, buy two more. <laughs> and the reason I'm going to ask you to do that is because I'm still working on getting my publishers to accept the next book. And so getting some more sales now really helps. And if you buy two more copies of the book, just give them to fat people that you know, and then they'll be thin. And what will happen then is those fat people will have to buy new pants. And when they have to buy new pants, they'll have to make new pants. And those pants will have to have people sewing them. And that will actually increase the economic growth of the United States. Yes, this will happen just by you buying two copies of the Bulletproof Diet Book. Or maybe not. You'll just help them out. But whichever way it works, uh, have an awesome day. And thanks for listening. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.